With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Walkie Talkies is a production of iHeartRadio and the College Athletes Network. Hey, Mo! Game day! It's game time! It's game day! It's game time! Hell yeah! Hell yeah! What's up, everybody? Welcome to Walkie Talkies podcast on the College Athletes Network featured on iHeartRadio. I'm your host, Noah Bono, and this is episode 13 of Walkie Talkies podcast. Now, as always, my first couple orders of business to the beautiful listeners out there is to remember to leave the show a review on Apple Podcasts. Towards the bottom of the page should say write a review towards the bottom right. And if you are on Spotify, it should be right under the show's title, an area to leave a couple stars, maybe even write a review on there. And also make sure you are subscribed to the podcast and downloading the episodes just in case you're on an airplane, you're dealing with some shitty internet connection. That way you can listen to the show offline if need be. Now for today's episode, today's guest is a former Penn State football walk-on from 2013 through 2018, long snapper Kyle Vasey. Kyle was a walk-on his first four years and then was awarded a surprise scholarship after his fourth season for his fifth and last season. And then later on after that last season, signed on to play with the Atlanta Falcons. Kyle talks about how he was ready to quit before a certain something happened to help him kind of see that light back at the end of the tunnel talks about the job that he was working at nights to help pay his rent and the grueling process of that talks about shifting his mentality which was ultimately what helped him get noticed by the coaches and and be able to earn that scholarship and as well as his time in the nfl and so much more that we discussed throughout the conversation kyle has an infamous video 
from the Penn State football account of the moment he was awarded the scholarship, which is posted on the Walkie Talkies Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok pages at WTZ Podcast so that everyone can see that memorable moment that Kyle had when he was awarded the scholarship. Really special moment for him and a really special episode for us here on Walkie Talkies Podcast to have him on the show and, and talk about his journey as a Nittany Lion. So with that being said, let's bring in former Penn State football long snapper Kyle Vasey. So you walked on to Penn State football as a long snapper coming out of high school. Uh, you're from the Pennsylvania area, so it was probably close to home. But when you decided to go to Penn State and be a walk-on, did you know what to expect coming into the program on what your role was going to be like and the kind of uphill battle that you were maybe in store for going into that? So honestly, I really had no idea what I was getting into. Um, just heading into it, you know, the first couple of days, you're overwhelmed. You're on a schedule that you've never seen before. You know, high school, you wake up, you roll out of bed, you drive to school, you go home after football, and it's over. You know, this is, okay, you've got to show up at the facility at 6 a.m. You've got conditioning at 7. You've got to go to class at 8. You've got to run the class because you know the coaches want to stay a little bit longer, get an extra workout in. You know, you finish up the class around 2, 3 o'clock. You go to practice, knock out all your practice, and then you did film study. You did meetings. You have a dinner that you're required to get to, and then you have to make it to study hall. So for me, going from somebody who was very independent, but loosely independent to going into something where it's completely structured was a huge, huge change. You know, I don't think I had enough time to really go to the bathroom if I needed to for the first couple of weeks. I was so bad at my time management. Just the aspects of having such a structured lifestyle. You know, I was in high school. I'd go fishing every day after school. I'd do this and that. You know, I lived on a ski resort, so I'd go skiing, things along those lines. And then when you get into college, it's like, it really feels like you're a professional athlete. Once I got to experience the NFL, it is very, very, very similar to the exact same lifestyle as a professional athlete. So, I mean, when you came in there as a walk-on, like, did you know what the dynamic was for you? And like, you were obviously, I guess, just in that long snapper and holding position for field goals and whatnot. But did you know what to expect? Did you know what your role was going to be like and like where you kind of fit in among the rest of your teammates? Um, I had no idea. So I actually did not get invited to camp my first two, uh, yeah, two years at Penn State. So when I first got in there the first year, I went in, did all the summer conditioning, this and that, um, knocked all that out. And then like, all right, see you in a month. And I was kind of like, all right, like the, I mean, whatever y'all want to do. And um, uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, I had the guy who was ahead of me, Zach Ladonis, actually ended up getting an injury to his knee. And they call me a week before we go to the Ireland game in Croke Park. And they say, hey, do you have a passport? And I'm like, no, <laughs> like, you know, this wasn't something I was aware of. They're like, all right, well, we're going to expedite your passport. We're going to do this, that, and the other. And we're going to make sure you can make it to this game. So I got about a week of practice under my belt before we went to Croke Park. And they said, by the way, if Yaz goes down, you have to start. Now, what, uh, what season is this in? This is freshman, freshman year. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I had never experienced a big game like that. I was from a small high school in Pennsylvania, about I'd say five, 600 people showed up to each game to next thing I know, I could be playing overseas in front of, you know, a bunch of Ireland individuals yeah. and just kind of rolling along and seeing what I could do. So it was very nerve wracking. So did that end up happening? Cause I saw you red shirted your freshman year, correct? Yeah, so fortunately enough, yeah, I stayed healthy the entire game because I would not want to wanted to see what happened if I got in there. We you know that UCF <laughs> game going down to 23, 26 at the end. Right. So how long do you think, like, you know, you went three straight years of no game action. You redshirted, then your redshirt freshman year and your redshirt sophomore year. So that was your second and third year in college. You were fully dressed. 
and you saw zero game action. So how did you stick it out? And like, what was the motivation that was like, I'm going to stick this out. I want to see this all the way through. Did you know that there was something that might be like an opportunity might be coming down the line or like, what was the, uh, the foresight that made you want to stick that out? So it's funny you bring that up, actually. Um, this is kind of something nobody in the public knows, only the team really knows. Um, my freshman year, I would go and I'd snap every day after workouts. I'd go and I'd snap. We had a little turf area next to the weight room that we'd go and I'd snap the ball at. I'd put a water bottle on a sled and just keep trying to knock it off over and over. And the one day I'm sitting there and I was just having a day. And I'm getting ready to go in and talk to Coach Colt, who's our strength conditioning coach, to tell him that I'd like to get off the team. Um, I'm waiting for him to get into his office and, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm snapping the ball and I'm, I get a couple of rounds in, you know, probably 15, 20 snaps and Koa Farmer comes up to me. Um, Koa is, you know, linebacker safety for us, very athletic player from California. And he goes, Hey man, you know, I know it's a grind, but keep doing this. You're doing great. We're going to need you one day. So I'm sitting there in my head, ready to go and tell coach, Hey, you know, I'm out the same for me. Mm -hmm. And Koa comes up and tells me that. So I kind of just like sit there for a little bit, think on it. And, you know, next thing you know, I snap a couple more footballs. Coach Galt comes down, look at him, wave, snap a couple more footballs and go home. Decided wow. not to hand in the cleats that day. Um, Man, what a blessing. <laughs> blessing in disguise. Yeah. So we have our senior shares every year. And Koa wasn't aware of that till our, our senior year. I think I saw him at a bar like a couple nights before or something like that after a game that we'd won. And I go up and I'm talking to him. I said, yeah, I got, you know, I have my senior share next week. Like. I got a surprise for you. And he kind of just like looked at me, he gave me like a grin. And I was like, you'll see. And, you know, I, I announced that in front of the whole team. That was, that was a hard, hard thing to say. You know, I had my little brother who had joined the team. I said it in front of him, just, it was a very, very nerve wracking thing to get up there and admit. But at the same time, I'm, I'm completely honest and open about how I feel about things. And having that conversation was huge. So from that point on, I changed my mindset to stop feeling sorry for yourself and start working. So every day I would go in, I'd, extra reps i'd make sure that my snaps were on point i'd stay out after practice i'd sneak in there at night just all these different things you know there's there was a door that was broken on huluba hall that i would mm -hmm. go and i would sneak in at night and snap the football just wow. so that i could get better what a grind man that's you were very committed because so i guess he came to you and it kind of like reflipped the switch on like a wait no like i'm here for a reason i do want to try to you know, put more into this versus just totally throwing in the towel and putting nothing into it. Um, and ultimately like that brings us into that notorious moment that you had, you know, you get the surprise scholarship from your head coach and you have no idea that it's coming, but you get that exciting moment where you're just mobbed by your teammates and, you know, that feeling of reward and hard work completely paid off. You no longer have to work or take your loans out or whatever you get to just be a scholarship athlete. So when you had that moment, when coach Franklin, um, you know, gave you the scholarship, I want you to just, exp I don't even want to explain it. It'll sound so much better coming from you. What do you remember about that moment when he brought you guys in that little huddle and he asked you, you know, what your job was and, and all that, just, just give the listeners that little, that breakdown of that moment for you when you were given a scholarship. Yeah, it was, it was hot as hell. We just, uh, just finished a conditioning workout out on the field. Um, I remember being exhausted. My legs were hurting. I was tired. I was thinking about going to work that night. Um, you know, just kind of going through every thought that every athlete has, man, that sucked. I got to do it again tomorrow. And what was but, work? So I was bouncing at a bar from about 8am. I mean, uh, 8pm to 3am almost every single day of the week. 
Wow. And I would wake up at 5 a.m. <laughs> every day. You know, I was, it was crazy. I actually dropped 30 pounds that summer just because I didn't have time to eat. I didn't have time to sleep. I slept about an hour and a half every night. Damn, man. That's an hour and a half. Yeah. Ooh, you're better than me, bro. All right. Yeah, my, my dad would be proud, but that's about the only person who thought it was a good move. So, <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. Um, but, um, it was tough. It was really tough. Yeah. So, so when you're sitting in that huddle and he kind of just singles you out and he's like, you know, Vasey, what, what do you do? Like, what's your job? Like, and you, you say that to him, it was just such a cool organic way that it happened. Cause there's no way that while your legs are tired and you're gassed and it's hot as hell outside that you thought that that was coming. Like, like you said, you were just thinking about work that night. And you know, I, I saw the emotion in the video, but what did it, really feel like when when he said that to you and your teammates jumped on your back all that yeah well it's funny you don't see this in the media release but he asked about 10 of us and i'm getting all pissed off because you're skipping over me i'm like <laughs> what's going on here man like i'm working my butt off like i, I want to talk about it a little bit like i want to let people know what i'm going through right and finally he's getting ready to wrap it up and then he goes oh basie oh, mm-hmm. you know i said oh you know i'm working you know i'm bouncing and he goes, what? And the whole team starts going, bounce, bounce, like, because they knew that I was bouncing at the bar. And uh, he goes, well, how often are you doing it? I'm just like, well, you know, like 8 p.m. to 3 a.m. And he goes, well, 8, 8 p.m. to 3 a.m., how many days a week are you doing? And I said, five, six days a week. And uh, he looks at me and just goes, quit, you're on full scholarship. And, like, my heart dropped into my stomach is the first thing I remember. I felt like I got punched. <laughs> and everybody started screaming it honestly just turned into a giant blur mm-hmm. i remember i got big bacon who was uh chaz right call him big bacon but he was my roommate at the time comes up and wraps his arm around my neck now people that don't know this big bacon is six eight three sixty he's not a small cuddly individual <laughs> yes. he throws his arm over me almost knocks me over i got blake gilligan jumping in my face i got everybody pushing me around dale and darian grabbing me just having an awesome time just celebrating and you know, I didn't know much to say. I was kind of choked up. I was laughing. I was crying. I had all these crazy emotions just circling around. Yeah. And, you know, they asked me to break down the team. So I just said, I love every single one of you guys, you know, family on three, counting down one through three family. Um, went over, talked to the coaches. Aha, stay put. Kyle will finish that sentence about the conversation that ensued with his coaches and his parents informing them of his scholarship. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And Walkie Talkies Podcast is back. Please make sure you are subscribed to the show, and let's let Kyle finish his sentence after I rudely interrupted him. And then Coach Franklin goes, I think it's time to call your parents. So that was when the tears really started to fall. You know, I, I call my, my dad, and I'm like, hey, dad, uh, no, I called my mom first. Called my mom, I said, hey, mom, you know, what are you doing? She's like, I'm at work. I was like, I, I got some news for you. And, you know, she has three boys. So whenever she hears, oh, you have news, it's like, all right, who needs bail money? Who needs this? Who needs that? Like, <laughs> just getting ready for the worst possible news. I said, mom, I'm on full scholarship. And it went kind of quiet, and I just heard her sobbing. So, like, <laughs> I start losing it there in front of, you know, everybody, all the cameras, stuff like that. Yeah. And I said, all right, like, I'm going to call dad. I got to go. I got to go. And I'm, like, choked up at this point. And then I call my dad. And my dad, he's a, he's a tough guy. You know, he's he's managed construction companies. He does high-end outdoor landscaping. And he still works with his hands. He's almost, I think he's 63, 64 at this point. Mm-hmm. And I call him. And he goes, what? I'm like, <laughs> you know, hey, dad. He goes, what do you want? I was like, pull over. He's like, why? I said, dad, just pull over. Like, all right, fine, fine. Now, I remember to tell him to pull over. Because when my mom went into labor with me, she called him while he was driving and he almost crashed. So first thing that went through my head okay. is get my dad off the side of the road real quick. So, right. you know, right. he, can, he can pull over and talk. He goes, all right, I'm over. What do you want? I was like, I got news for you. He goes, all right. It's like, I'm on full scholarship. He goes, what? He's, his whole demeanor changed. My dad's got a deep, burly voice. It just kind of looks like a lumberjack. And he, he, his voice drops to like just this like, mellow like confused kind of kind of voice and he's like what and I was like yeah I'm on I'm on full scholarship I just got awarded it and he's not an emotional guy he is stone cold I mean he's he's Mm -hmm. really really tough individual and I can hear him start to like sniffle up and tear up a little bit his voice gets high and cracks a little bit he's like I'm so proud of you like you've worked so hard for this (laughs) <laughs> he wow. ends it with um, go quit your effing job so <laughs> <laughs> yeah get so, rid of that shit yeah, so i hang up and and i'm, I'm done with that and i'm, I'm talking to my brother because my brother's still there having a conversation about it he's all happy and excited for me um yeah it was awesome i went up had to sign the paperwork didn't know what i was signing i just signed everything there yep doesn't and, matter <laughs> you know, like around scholarship i was like all right i could be signing away you know my social security number <laughs> but it doesn't matter to me but um, 
So what was the job uh, paying for? Was the job paying for rent, tuition, books? Like what was a lot of that? Or like, were you, were you taking out student loans and stuff and you're feeding what you were making back into those loans? Like what was the, um, the added pressure to have that crazy sec? Cause the football job is a job in its own, but what was the added pressure to have that second job from 8 PM to three in the morning when you got to be up early for practice and class? Like where did that extra pressure come into play? So that was rent money. Um, my student loans took care of all my tuition, education, things like that. So it was rent money and books. Um, you know, my, my parents could have helped me out with it, but at the same time, it's, it's not the responsibility. I'm a 21 year old individual at that point. You know, I'm a, I'm a grown man in my eyes. I want to make sure that I'm working for what I'm working for. I'm putting in the effort and I'm not relying on other people for it. So I made sure that I was working. I was paying my rent. I was paying for my food, paying for my vehicle, my gas, everything like that. You know, and people don't realize this life in college is expensive. You know, there's yeah. probably a lot of people who wouldn't realize like you pay for rent, you pay for your car, it's still gas and everything in a college town is inflated, you know, 120, 130%. Right. So I was sharing a, a four bedroom apartment with Tyler Shoup, uh, Isaac Lutz and Frank DeLeo. And I think our rent was 3,600 a month for like this little, like old, I think it was probably like a 40 year old building just, just living Damn. in the room. So, man, that's a, what a story, dude. That's, I'm so glad that you're on the show to share that. That's a, such a special, special moment for you and your family and, and, you know, seeing your hard work pay off. So what, like before being given the scholarship, was it like being on the team in those first three and a half years, four years that maybe changed for you once you got the scholarship and, you know, we're on full scholarship, your last and fifth year. Uh, like, was there anything that like, drastically or even just a little bit changed for you uh and your dynamic on the team so i think and this is going to sound kind of crazy i think not being on scholarship helped me you know it proved to me that i wasn't deserving anything i had to work for everything um i remember getting really really uh i'll, I'll say confident and competitive with my language um, how i talked on the field and then in conditioning and things like that i remember doing hill sprints and just I think I pretty much dusted everybody on the rep. Mm -hmm. And I went up to my strength coach after that. And I said, all these blanking scholarship players and, you know, here's me. Right. Like I was, I was fired up. I was ready to rumble. I was in a bad mood that day. And I'm, I'm, I'm not like a, a violent person. I'm not a mean person, but right. I was at that point where like I had an attitude. I had a chip on my shoulder and that's something that I had never realized I needed before. Mm -hmm. I was always described as whenever somebody would go to introduce me, oh, he's just a big teddy bear. <laughs> but I was able to get this chip on my shoulder and I really, use that to kind of propel myself as far as an individual and uh, from a growth standpoint. For sure. So that, that definitely pushed you over the hump and, you know, gave you a better chance of the coaches taking notice on you. Um, that probably ultimately granted you that scholarship. Is that what you would say is the main thing that probably separated you from, you know, maybe the 40 other walk-ons on the team that were also trying to get scholarships? Like what would you say was the, the main catalyst for them taking notice? I think it was that I think they they noticed my mentality change because obviously going in as a freshman, you're a little bit more timid. You don't exactly have this this crazy mentality, especially when you're not a four or five star. I don't think I was ranked on anything. Right. You know, I, I wasn't this this big, highly recruited guy. And I went in with the mentality of, oh, you know, you're just lucky to be here. Well, I changed mm -hmm. that mentality in my head and I was like, they're they're lucky to have me, you know, and, and changing that mentality and changing the way that I looked at everything that I was doing. It it really changed the game for me. Mm hmm. And what, at what point did that happen? 
Like how many years in, was it when you finally got on the field or was it maybe like that year prior, that third year where you were like right on the brink of getting that spot? Yeah. I think that third year when I realized that Yaz was going to be moving on and, and going on to doing his professional career, I realized that I had an opportunity that, you know, was nobody expected me to get, I mean, me and Blake. So it's funny. I got married last month and uh, congratulations. Thank you. But you know, Blake Gilligan punter for the saints right now. Um, excellent, excellent athlete. He comes up to me and we're all talking, me and the groomsmen, we all had a house to ourselves and we're, we're sitting there, we're having conversations like, man, you used to suck when I met you. <laughs> <laughs> when he was a freshman, he was, I was snapping to him. He's right. like, you really sucked when I got there. I was like, yeah, I know, dude. He goes, and then you just, you just became automatic. And it was funny, like having that conversation, realizing, you know, I wasn't very good freshman year, but then what mm-hmm. I put myself into was, was a, a product of hard work and, and attitude. So how did you get on the team? going into your freshman year, if you, you know, weren't that good and you get on a big 10 football team that happens to be Penn state, what pro or what happened that got you in that room and ultimately on that team? So I was technically run on, which was really nice to have. So what had gone through was I had two Penn state coaches show up to my high school game. Cause we had a game against Scranton prep, which had Noah Bay, Joe Holmes, um, Kenneth Roman, who was one of my teammates and Javon Marshall, who was another one of my teammates who were, guys who had a lot of looks, you know, Noah Bay ended on going to play at Penn State, transferring to Delaware. Joe Holmes played at Penn State for a little bit. Um, Kenneth Roman played at Rutgers and then transferred to IUP, all these different schools. And then Javon played at Bloomsburg. So we had some really talented athletes in that game. Well, my team was really bad. So we punted like 11 times. And I guess the combination of seeing me snap 11 perfect snaps and probably one field goal was enough to kind of spark the interest of Coach Strollo who was under O'Brien's staff from there when they did the transfer with Franklin coming over and uh, coach Franklin and coach Huff coming over coach Huff, I guess had gotten a list from coach Strollo of who he was recruiting. And I happened to be on that list. Wow. And then for you, it was kind of like a no brainer. Like I'm going to just, maybe you had some D twos or some D threes, but I, I think when, you know, Penn state puts you on a list, they probably get put into a different tier and you're like, wait, I don't care about loans. I don't care about not being on scholarship. I'm going to Penn State. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I had, um, God, probably a month before I was talking to Coach Strollo. I was talking to Rutgers. I was talking to Temple. I actually had, before I committed to Coach Franklin in February, I had literally while sitting in the office talking to Coach, giving my commitment, the head coach of Temple at the time on the phone trying to call me. And I walked out of the room afterwards. I looked at my phone. I was like, oh, you know, too bad. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, Frank- another school wants me. Because <laughs> <laughs> Coach Franklin looks at me and he goes, you know, this is this is like dating. He goes, You're I'm like, this is this is boyfriend, girlfriend stuff right here. You're not cheating. He's like, no more contact with the exes. I was like, all right, that's fair. No more contact with the exes. So <laughs> that's a good way to get you sold on that. Yeah, um absolutely. So I I had a conversation. It's episode seven of the podcast, uh, with a walk-on wide receiver from Ohio State. His name is Marvin Davies. He shined a lot of light on like the differences that when you're a walk-on um, come come about because there's so many guys on the team and it's so hard to balance like relationships with 125 people on the roster. So, you know, in your position, and he was a wide receiver. So like he's in that receiver group. He's on the scout team heavily involved. And and for you as a just a long snapper, like what what goes on where like, you know, are you a walk-on because long snappers, you know, just don't have scholarships? Because you played in all 13 games your redshirt junior year, your fourth season, and you were not on scholarships. So, like, 
is that common? Is there like just a, I don't know, like a difference between uh, the amount of scholarship guys and walk-ons because of how big of a number of people there are there? Like what, just explain that, that whole dynamic, if you can, if you can compare it to, you know, that brief summary of the Ohio State situation I gave. I think, you know, I like to credit myself and say that if I was a receiver with my long snapping skills as receiver skills, I would have been a five-star, but, uh, if it's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those positions, you know, it's, you play yeah. 10, 15 plays a game. You tell people your position, they're like, what are you? And I'm like, I'm just an upside down quarterback. Don't worry about it. Like that's, right. that's how you describe your position. Cause even people out in the real world, you tell them what you used to do. And they're like, dude, what, what I've never heard of that. Like, were you on defense or offense? I was like, well, I was on special teams. They're like, what is that? Dumbasses. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, you see, here's kind of what I did. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a running joke at work that like, I'm just the upside down quarterback and, and all these things I used to do. And it's, it was funny, you know, it's, it's not a position that's highly regarded or for its talent or its difficulty. Right. So, I mean, I just don't know if there's like, you know, there had to be some sort of like difficulty, like building relationships with, every coach like i i look at the basketball dynamic and i'm like it's so intimate you know there's 15 players there's maybe nine coaches tops so there's like only our travel party is probably no more than 30 people so it's like not hard to know everybody by a first name basis know where everyone's from what everyone's like like there you can you can get close with pretty much anyone if you want to in a, in a college basketball uh environment in a college football environment it just seems so backwards because there's so many of you it's like there's definitely different pockets of like you know maybe the offensive linemen are just with the o and d line and then the cornerbacks and the wide receivers who guard each other like they're tight like there, there's got to be all these different pockets when you guys and then you all have position coaches so it's like you know you're spending time with them more than any of the other coaches so you build a better relationship with them and that dynamic has always been interesting me interesting to me because there's definitely people who get left out and you know, it sucks when you see like, and this is for anybody in any field, like the most valuable people on the team connecting with the higher up boss and you're laying lower on the totem pole. And it's like, all you can do is observe that relationship and just accept the fact that that's not what it is for you. Um, so did you ever have to deal with like anything like that or, or, you know, stuff that kind of made you feel before you got that scholarship, like a little less than, um, and that's not, you know, a knock on Penn state or anything. It's simply just that dynamic of how you have to deal with 120 people being on the roster and like what, 160 people within the program. When you add in the coaches, like, I don't even know what the number is. You, you, you tell me. Yeah, no. So I think the, the biggest thing is, you know, a lot of times we box ourselves into a certain group or a certain demographic or a certain, you know, um, social circle. And for me, I mean, I, I talked to everybody. It's been one of the best skills that I've acquired from college. I went in very timid, like I said, and I kind of grew into my own voice. I inserted myself in all these conversations. My sophomore year, they asked me who I want to live with. I said, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Throw me in with whoever you want. And I ended up with Big Bacon, Paris Palmer, Antoine White, and Kevin Gibbons. What a crew. Yeah. It was a crew. I'll tell you what, that a- <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could go into details, but I can't, but we had some wild times together, really, really good friends. And they're people that typically everybody looked at and they're like, basically, why are you rooming with that? I was like, these are my boys. Like these, these are the guys that I know. These are the guys I hang out with. We all get along, you know, 
We tease Kevin for eating a box of chicken nuggets every night. The dinosaur ones, like <laughs> big bacon's always sweaty because it's 360 pounds, like just having these conversations and, you know, it's fun. You got to throw yourself out there. Obviously as a group of specialists, we all stuck together and we were close knit because, you sure. know, we we're always with each other, but yeah. at the same time, it's, as a specialist, you know, you're either loved by everybody or hated by everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we were a pretty decent special teams unit, especially towards my junior and senior year. So we were, we got along with everybody pretty well. Yeah. And that's the most special thing is like being able to get through all of those little hurdles and adversity and, you know, finding a brotherhood with people like that. Cause I'm sure you guys will always keep in touch. You know, they're your college, college roommates. Of course, you're going to, you know, have a strong tie. And, uh, that's always something that's super special when I talk to people that comes out of these walk-on experience or not even walk-on just like literally being a college athlete, being around, you know, different walks of life from all over. And, um, the perspective that like, you know, you guys get into those late, late night, 3am deep talks. And it's like, wow, like I respect the hell out of you. Or like, I admire the shit out of you. Like you're amazing. You know, you're a special human being. Like there are all of those little moments. I think people, people get with, with some of their teammates at some point or another. So, uh, always love to hear that, but it's me again. We got another quick break coming your way, but stay put because when we come back, Kyle talks about his journey within the NFL, experiencing draft night, what happened with his NFL career, and some of the biggest things he's taken with him from this overall journey. So stay with us. We'll be right back. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, 
Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And Walkie Talkies podcast is back. I told you we'd be back, so please make sure you are subscribed to the show if you're enjoying what you're hearing so far. And let's bring back in former Penn State long snapper Kyle Vasey. In regards to what followed your scholarship and that last and fifth year at Penn State, you you ended up signing a brief deal with the Atlanta Falcons. So what ended up happening with that? Was it you like not making the team or just making the team and then ultimately deciding it wasn't for you? What was the uh, situation with signing that pro contract? Yeah, so with the Atlanta Falcons, the um, the day of the – I believe it was the third day of the draft, I'd been having conversations with Ben Gautwika, who was the – special teams coach there. I've been having a couple conversations with a bunch of special teams coordinators and it came down to the third day of the draft and I get a call from Ben. He's like, Hey, like, I just want to let you know where we're going to take you. Like at the end of the draft, like we're going to send you over something like watch your email. He goes, do you want to be a Falcon? So, you know, me, when I hear that, I'm, I'm sitting in the apartment with my brother and my girl, my fiance, I mean, my girlfriend at the time, then my fiance, now my wife. I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course I want to like, yeah, like I'm crying, you know, pop champagne, like mm-hmm. just having a good time talking about it. And I committed to him and I gave him my word. And that's always something that I know that you, you keep, you know, and I go and I sign the contract and I'm getting ready to send it. And then my phone rings I'm like, all right, what's going on? I pick it up. I was like, oh, please tell me they're not retracting this. Pick up the phone, answer it. Hey, Code. Hey, Kyle, this is so-and-so from Miami Dolphins. Um, we want to sign you on as a PUDFA. We want to get you down here in Miami with us. We don't have a current starter. Now, Atlanta had Josh Harris, who was a pro bowler. He was injured at the time, coming back from injury. They didn't know how long he was going to take. Miami didn't have anybody in place at that time. Um, so I was, you know, in my head, I was like, man, Miami sounds like a lot better deal. But at the same time, I'd given my word to Atlanta. I told them, yes, I'm joining you guys. You know, I'm on your team. So I stuck with my word. And even though I knew they had a starter in place, they had everything like that, it, it was my word. I wasn't going to go back on it. And so then you go down to Atlanta and you practice. Are you in OTAs? Like what what ended up transpiring after that? Yeah, so I went through all the practices, did a really nice job, really enjoyed it. Got to play in the Hall of Fame game. Um, got to know all the guys, really just experienced the NFL lifestyle. And Josh healed up, which I'm happy for. You know, I met the guy we were talking. He's a phenomenal human being. You know, really great guy. He's kind of, I don't want to say like admirable, but that's the best word that I can think of. You know, he's just the pinnacle of what you want to be as an NFL player. He's smart. He's intelligent with what he does. He's just overall a very good role model for everybody in the NFL. And you don't know about him much because he's a long snapper. Yeah, exactly. So do they only keep one long snapper? Is that what ultimately was like you were then not on the team or even the practice squad because they only need one long snapper? You only need one long snapper. You know, it's a very rare occasion where somebody gets injured. When they do, stuff kind of hits the fan as far as special teams go. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when they have a guy in place like that, they can absolutely roll with them. And it's, there's no need to keep another guy on that 52-man roster who long snaps. And so then at that point, that wrapped up your football career. You were you tied, you tied hung the shoes up or the cleats up. Like, what did you want to continue? Were you maybe trying to, you know, retract and get back to Miami or something like what, where was your mindset on um, the rest of your football career and what you were about to do with the rest of your life? So I went into, after that, my professional career, obviously I didn't take long. I think I had me and the Falcons had finished up probably on a Monday. I think it was. And by Wednesday I was working nine to five. Um, so wow. <laughs> really quick on pulling the trigger and getting back into work. Like I said, I don't like to sit around and be lazy or stagnant. So I went into that. 
Um, ended up going and doing some personal training for a little bit of facility. Wanted to learn how to do that. It was something that I was always passionate about. Went, learned the ropes there. And then winter rolled around and I started getting calls from teams. You know, I went and did a workout in Pittsburgh. Um, my agent said Arizona had called them San Francisco, uh, Tennessee. A couple of these different teams were reaching out about me. So I went up to Steelers, put on a good workout, did this and that. And something that really hit me was, you know, this is not what I want my life to be the next four or five years, just bouncing from state to team, the state to team, this and that and the other, going on a team, signing contract, losing the contract a week later, all those kind of things. You know, I really decided to focus more in on growing myself as a professional as opposed to an athlete. And what in your current work is a real estate advisor? Do I have that right? Absolutely. So how did that come about uh, post football? Was that always, I mean, you said you did some of the training stuff for a while, but what, what got you to segue uh, into that field? So I had actually did the training and then I came, I actually moved out to Denver um, with my fiance at the time, wife now, who is in graduate school at DU. She's getting her MSW and then possibly her doctorate in psychology. We're still unsure because she's a fan of school sometimes, fan of school, not other times, but mm, I feel at that. the same time it is. <laughs> so we, um, we're out here and I actually ended up managing a couple of different locations for a fitness company. So, an oh, athletic cool. club. so I was kind of balancing around, learning how to manage, talk to people. Uh, KPI reports, just all these cool things that I never had really experienced before. And I'm still relatively young in this yeah. industry. And I, the one day I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, you know, like I, I'm, I'm tapped out. There's nothing more I can do. I can't get promoted any higher. I'm going to be stuck at this salary with this amount of money. And it was, it was good money. But at the same time, I'm, as you can tell by my career, I'm not somebody who's happy being stuck with one thing and not being able to really grow or develop right. myself. Right. Well, I get an email from this guy who I'd been talking to a little bit about just business in general, he goes, Hey, you know, I want you to stop in for an interview. So let's hop on a phone call real quick. So we went through two phone call interviews. We went through a third in-person interview, a fourth interview in front of the advisor that I was going to be working with a fifth interview in front of a panel of judges. And then a sixth interview with the owner. And they loved everything I had to say, you know, they like my mentality, they like my competitive edge. Um, and the big thing was, is that I was really, really good at just having conversations. They really mm-hmm. enjoyed that aspect. I'm not somebody who shies away from it. I could talk to a tree for hours. You know, I'm, I'm one of those. Uh, hey, man, I'm right there with you. That's why I started <laughs> this damn podcast. I could talk to anybody <laughs> for any, you know, any amount of time. So let's, um, I, I have one f- weird question about being a long snapper, and then I, I will wrap it up with uh, how I always finish a show with one more question. But from a fan's perspective, when you're a long snapper, like, like you said, you're an upside down quarterback. And even for like a regular snapper, I, or a regular center, excuse me, what terrible terminology. Um, you got your head down. You have to focus on whipping the ball accurately to the holder or the punter. And then you got to get hit right after you throw the ball. Like how the, how I always watch. And I'm like, you know, sometimes like there's not always a nose guard. And you have like a second to pick your head up and then look at who you're going to block. I don't know. That's just my observation. But like, what was the hardest thing about being accurate on your snap and then picking your head up and making sure you do not just get blasted <laughs> off your two feet? <laughs> well, that's that's the fun part of it. You usually do get blasted. Um, my mom always told me growing up that I was always ass backwards and upside down. So it kind of fit perfectly with long snapping. So I kind of just <laughs> rolled a bit. And then, you know, next thing you know, you you snap the ball. Um, the most important thing is obviously delivering the snaps to the target accurately and efficiently. Right. The second most important part is making sure the guy who's coming across from you, who's usually 6'6", 300 pounds and solid muscle, doesn't block the punt or doesn't block the field goal. 
Right, right, right. Um, in college, I was fortunate enough to have Big Bacon and Sterling Jenkins as my two guards. So those guys pretty much took care of anybody who, you know, would want to try to mess with me or do anything like that, which was really, really nice to have, especially when they're as large as those individuals were. Yeah. No, and but, I, can un- I can understand why you go from that and then you get a couple tryouts in the NFL and you're like, you know what? I don't think I want to bounce around state to state and do any of that anymore. Yeah, um, I remember my first play in the NFL, first ever punt snap ever. I snapped the ball. I'm like, man, that's a beauty. This is going to look good. And next thing I know, I just remember this flash. All I see is I see the lights of the stadium and I see my feet up by the lights. And I was like, Shit, that's not good. <laughs> that's hilarious so i did I ended up doing a full backflip on my first play and it was not intentional your very first play what a, yeah what a moment but there was <laughs> a fumble. the returner fumbled the balls and we got the ball so that's that's a good oh, sign shit. <laughs> wow what a play what a first play of your nfl career yeah. um all right so let's let's wrap it up with what did that walk-on role and ultimately that reward of being given a scholarship and being validated your hard work being validated after all those years. And then even, you know, being given the opportunity to be on the phone with NFL teams in a training camp with NFL teams playing in an NFL game. Like what did that role, that journey, that whole thing from the very start of where you were at to the very end, when you were came, you got, you know, you hung up the shoes with peace. You were completely fine with, I keep saying shoes cause I'm a basketball player. You hung up the cleats with peace and, you know, you were able to step into your next journey. What did that whole kind of journey, five-year experience, six-year experience, however long the NFL was, um, help you with for where you're currently at now, whether it was a mentality, a perspective that you gained or, um, you know, a mentality that you gained during college that you brought over uh, with you into this current field? Like what was the ultimate couple things that you've taken away with you that, you know, you still hold with you to this day? I think it really, I wouldn't have changed this thing. You know, it taught me the cadence in which I want to live, live my life, the expectations I have, the mentality I have, um, effort and output, and then just always grinding. You know, you have a lot of people nowadays that want things handed to them or, or think they've deserved things. And I realize, you know, that's, that's not how it works. You have to earn it regardless. So every aspect of everything that I go into, I realize that there's always opportunity, mm-hmm. you know, never be afraid to be the guy who goes and cleans up trash. I don't care if you're a manager of a facility. I've spent hours at a facility cleaning up trash, you know, making sure locker rooms look good just so that I can go ahead and say, you know, I feel good about what I did today. You know, right. there's no job too small for somebody regardless of who they are. Um, just focusing on everything that you want to do and block out the outside noise. You know, I remember that's one of the first things I saw at Penn State when we have the Lash building. There's a door on the back and it says something along the lines of um, leave out the outside noise or something along those lines. And, you know, it's always something is you're a walk on, you know, oh, you're not going to play. You're not going to do this. You're not going to do that. Like, and it's, it's really about you and your mentality. You know, what it comes down to is a battle of you versus you, not you versus someone else, you versus this or that. It all comes down to the approach that you take, the mentality that you carry and the fight that's inside of you. So that's probably the biggest thing I learned. That effort, effort output thing is sticking with me. What, can I get you to elaborate on that a little bit, how that stuck with you, how that helped you uh, during that journey? Cause I, I really like that, yeah. that quote. It's true. What, what did that do for you? It, so it kind of relates back to James Frank, uh, Franklin's uh, four core values, which is positive attitude, great work ethic, compete in everything you do and must be willing to sacrifice. You know, you take all those. And when it goes to effort and output, you need to do everything 110%. You know, there's no such thing as 
excusing the language half-assing anything you know it doesn't oh matter. you don't have to excuse your language you can say <laughs> whatever curse word you want on here <laughs> <laughs> but it's 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 so validating you know sometimes there's things that you don't want to do but right. if you give it this half-ass effort you know you're not you're not improving you're not right. getting anything out of it mm-hmm. now, if you if you go into something even if you don't want to do it and you give it 110 percent, maybe it turns out shit you know it's not that bad you know, my, my mentality with, with a lot of the things I do with fitness and real estate, it's a sales type of thing. Mm-hmm. I hated sales, hated everything about it. When I started, yeah. I thought, oh, this is going to suck. You know, I don't want to do this. I don't want to talk to people. I don't want to negotiate now. You know, I've got a wife. I negotiate everything. I negotiate mm-hmm. laundry. I negotiate, you know, dishes, <laughs> things like that. Like, and you yes, learn to do things that you never knew you liked before just by giving good effort to it by giving mm-hmm. your best effort to it. So that's, that's kind of where I get that from. It, it's, it's the same mold of like, the more you give, the more you will probably get back in return. And whether that's effort, whether that's love, whether that's care, um, generosity, whatever it is, the more you put out, hopefully, you know, the more the universe rewards uh, back to you. And in a situation like yours, man, like you said it, you were like an inch away, maybe five minutes away from hanging it up your second, third year and quitting. And you had a teammate shine a light down from some part of the universe and say, Hey man, you know, you're doing great. Like, and that little compliment that he gave you validated before you got the scholarship, all the work that you were putting in. And honestly, probably lit even more of a spark in you. It was like, man, these people are taking notice. Like I'm going to, I'm going to put even more into this. I'm going to get, try to get even more out of it. And then, you know, you ultimately have that amazing moment where you're, you're, granted a scholarship and, and all your concerns and your struggles and your, you know, terrible day-to-day schedule that was grueling and strenuous is all of a sudden erased. It's done. It's over. You can just be a student athlete, you know, for one last year and really enjoy yourself and put all your chips into, you know, that basket of just being a college football player for one last year. And ultimately resulted in what, you know, could have been an NFL career had you decided you wanted it. And that's, that's so special, dude. Like you start from the literal bottom and you got yourself to a point where it's like, yeah, no, like I was wearing an NFL Jersey at one point, like regardless of how long it was, like no one can take that from you. No one can take away the work that you put into it. And, uh, super special, man. Love hearing stuff like that. And I'm so happy that you came on the podcast to, you know, share that story and everything that you have, have said. So, uh, Super cool story, man. Super inspiring. Really glad you came on and shared. So uh, appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. And thank you for having me on. And that's a wrap for episode 13. Thanks to Kyle for coming on the show. I had a really good time talking with him about his journey as a Nittany Lion. And I just want to say, you know, week by week, we're checking off more and more former walk-ons off the list that personify excellence, intelligence, hard work, determination, and so much more that Kyle put on display during this interview, man. He he was great. His story was great. Uh, seems like a really good dude and, and is going to be really successful in life, which is what all of our former walk-ons in the Walkie Talkies gang seeming to be doing is just, you know, building on their journeys of success that started as a walk-on. So super cool stuff from him. And um, that's all for today's show. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. If you enjoyed this episode, then please leave us a review on whichever directory you listen to your podcasts on. And you can interact with the podcast more if you follow us on social medias, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at WTZ Podcast. There will be video highlights of every episode on there. And that's all for today. Thank you to everyone tuning in. We will see you next week. And remember, cup us up, cute.
Walkie Talkies is a production of iHeartRadio and the College Athletes Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer dan patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.